and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. Newcastle fans, that one was for you. Um, I am your host, Andy, and I am joined this week by our usual three guests, uh, Ryan, Alex and Naeem. How are you, boys? D- doing, I'm doing very good. Doing very good. Yeah, I'm all, thank you. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Can't complain. Um, and yeah, obviously we'll go on to Premier League in a minute, but um, what were your thoughts, thoughts on today's news? How happy are you for Newcastle fans? Not very, not joking. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good for them because obviously they've had Mike Ashley in charge for the last 14 years, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty shitty owner. So, um, yeah, they're going to be happy. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, what manager they get in because I don't think Steve Bruce is in their plans. Um, and, yeah, it'll just, just be interesting to see what signings they can bring in now and um, see where they can go with this uh, new takeover. So, um, yeah, I'm happy for them because they haven't got a shitty owner anymore. But, um yeah. yeah, yeah, they could be a force to reckon with in the next couple of years. You, you just never know. But um, yeah, that's my thoughts. Yeah, I think there's definitely a talk going on that Steve Bruce is going to get sacked by Amanda Stacey and her and her board. I think there's there's serious talk now of him losing his job, which is which is completely fair enough, really. But I think yeah, I think the, I did an article on today. Actually, check my Twitter. I did do an article on how deserving Newcastle fans are of this because. They've had so many years of such crappy ownership. You look at the two relegations, you look at even all the near misses back in the 90s, like losing Premier League twice, coming second, and losing two FA Cup finals in two years, and, and obviously then reaching Champions League football and not doing it since Rob, since uh, Robson got sacked. I think, for me, I think there's no biggest, there's no city or there's no fan base or team more deserving have such good news as Newcastle. It's an amazing city, an amazing... It's one of the rare cities where it is just one city, one team, and that's it. There's no two teams like you know Liverpool or Glasgow or London or something like that. It's purely Newcastle. Everyone who lives there lives and breathes it. And I think um, we we did do a pod, we did actually do a podcast um, special, our first club special podcast. And me and Ryan interviewed some Newcastle fans the other day, um, and Kieran was saying how that stadium is going to be absolutely rocking. That first home game um, at St George's Park is going to be absolutely massive. Um, what are your thoughts, Alex, and what are your thoughts, Ryan, on, on this takeover? I feel like I'm the I don't I depend on Ryan feels. I feel like I'm the only one who's not like to over the moon. Right, tell me more. So because, like if we've looked into, I know it's headed by Amanda Stavely, who I quite respect. I've looked into her career, and uh, she's got. Good, interesting story that she went to. She born quite a rich family, which she, she was like in a final year of quite a high degree, and then she left and quit it. But uh, somehow she built a very successful career. But it's uh, the Saudi investment fund, the regime behind it. It's it, it's like going from Mussolini to Hitler. I mean, it's not like it's. I know that Mike Ashley's gone. And it's it's definitely because I'm a neutral and I have really no emotion towards Newcastle or Ashley. I'm just like, uh, yeah. Of course, they're gonna get. They're gonna be a better club, but the I, I the way I summed it up um, is uh, uh, I, I spoke about it very briefly. The way I summed it up is it it makes it stretches the grey area now. Like previously, uh, Russian oil garkin Robert Abramovich, eh? Sheikh Mansour, eh? Uh, and now, now it's Saudi Public Investment Fund and the man who's ordered the like execution of journalists. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just got. Yeah, it, it, it's not. It's not far off until Kim Jong Un's owning Wolves. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. We, I mean, I think the whole talk was um, of the fact that. Um, there was the, the the consortium in that owning Newcastle. They also involved with being sports. And there was this big thing about um, them showing games illegally, and that affecting the Premier League product, which is why I think that's why the Premier League stopped it all those months ago. Um, I don't know what you think, Ryan, but I think personally, I think a lot of people's either second teams or people have soft spots a lot of time for Newcastle, and unless you're a Sunderland fan or Middlesbrough fan. A lot of people you they find it very hard to dislike Newcastle. I think that's part of the thing as well. Is that even though Man City were probably of that equal measure, normally hated them before they got the money. But I think 
Newcastle such a bit, such a good club. I think a lot of people are happy for them because they, they do have a little. I mean, myself included, they have a little soft spot for Newcastle. So, um, but what what do you think, Ryan? Do you think are you happy with this? Sort of, I know it probably affects Arsenal, but um, in terms of putting them further down the table. But um, what's your it, thoughts? It's funny that because that was the first article I actually saw on Twitter. <laughs> was it? How Arsenal is now. And I thought, fuck, shut. Like, come on. Um, I mean, uh, it, it, it will do. I, I think it will. And then if Arsenal Spurs develop and they, and they get better players or sort of build back what they're doing before, I do think that a bit like Man City going ahead of, of us when they got the money in 2009, 2008, whatever it was, I think if they get, if they do what, what City did and sort of go up the ladder, eventually go higher and higher up, and Look, sitting our City and Spurs, the Spurs and Arsenal don't do something about this, but, I think it But there's not like... Like Tottenham's owners are incredibly wealthy too, and it's not like you could be Man City and you could be run really well. Man City got in Tiggy Bergestan, um, or Bergestan, the he was a sporting director of Barcelona and close friends with Pep. Like their entire project from the moment they got in, pretty much, was how do we get Pep Guardiola in charge? Like, if, if Newcastle runs something like that, then yeah, they could climb above Arsenal, but also they could be run like QPR. They, oh God! Like, <laughs> like money, like they could, like let's not let's not forget Aston Villa spending 110 million when they came up to the Premier League with a portion in it of on Wesley, who is now like a, a god knows. So just because there's a lot of money, it doesn't necessarily mean mm. there will be success. But Very true. What what wound me up is, I know our Arsenal and Tottenham obviously are a long way off the other four at the moment, but. Look how long it took Man City to get where they were. Off, you know, they, they was taken over in what two thousand eight, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Winning yeah. For four years, and yeah. even and that they, was quick. That's quick as well. Yeah, yeah. So when, why, why, why did they just target those two clubs? They could have said it because in four, in, you know, three, four, five years time, we could see any one of those other top four clubs going for a bit of a rough patch. You know, it could quite easily happen to Liverpool when you look at their squad. They Yes, yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. And so also, I think I think football only like having big money works when you're already an elite club who have a project and everything, and you're in a, like like Man City worked, I guess, because they were already in and around. Like I don't know they had some mid-table finishes, but I think they were already in and around top six, top six-ish area, like Chelsea were with Abramovich. So it was a lot easier to convince. Players like, yeah, no, we've got a big project coming in. When you're Newcastle, you're already fighting relegation. Like, they can't just go in January and say, uh, oh, we'll, we'll take Isco off Real Madrid because Isco's going to go, well, hang about. You're still like, at that point, they're still most likely going to be within 10 points relegation. Like, what happens if I go here and it still falls apart and then I'm technically playing in the championship? So it's going to take a, a long time to get to that city level of we can convince, like, big players and big managers to actually join us and propel us into something. And also, Leicester haven't spent anywhere near the money other clubs have. And you can still build a great squad. You just need to have good recruitment. But I think I think money's good just to buy you like the elite players. Yeah, and I, I think personally, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter, Twitter today about two players that they may sign, uh, which I think could happen. Um, Gareth Bale and Phil Coutinho were the two players I saw because... Um, I think Barca would be eager to get rid of um, Coutinho, as would Madrid with Bale. Maybe not, maybe not as much now as Adam's not there. But I think they've been the two big names. Sort of, I've been, I've seen um, people say Coutinho is the next Rubinho and things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think personally, I think it will take time. But I think, as you're saying, if it's done rightly, then it could be something special. Um, but Newcastle did play on Saturday. I think, I think I think Ryan's microphone is quite weak, and he's tried to speak three times. Oh, sorry, Ryan. <laughs> is he trying to defend Arsenal again? No, it's not defending Arsenal. I was trying to answer your original question. I was just getting cut off every chance. Um, no, it's more the fact that about kind of what um, Alex said about Saudi Arabia. I mean, there's a there's a great documentary on Amazon at the moment. And if a lot of people watched that and looked at it, they'd realise the kind of people that now own the club. But will Newcastle fans care? Probably not. 
because as I saw on Twitter, someone said it perfectly well. Are there any ethical billionaires in the world? No, probably not. So it, it comes down to a matter of perspective and, you know, how, how they, they, they're not really going to care. I don't think the Newcastle fans, other clubs and supporters might, you know, target, especially Sunderland, maybe, but they won't, they won't care. You know, look at Man City's owners and the kind of stuff they've probably done as well. Same with Chelsea's owners, same with most clubs' owners. It's, it's, you know, it's how it is nowadays, unfortunately. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's a grey area. Isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, m- m- most, most people, you know, most big men, people with big money, look at Bezos, look at Branson. They're not exactly completely innocent, completely um, clean cut people. But um, Newcastle did play on Saturday. They did lose 2-1 to Wolves at Molyneux. Um, Jeff Hendricks scored a goal. I decided of a of a Hwang double. Um, two assists from Raul Jimenez. Um, but early on in the, in, in, on the day, Manu and Everton drew 1-1 with um, goals for Martial and Andros Townsend who tributed Ronaldo in the celebration. The game could have been really been won by Everton late on if Tom Davis actually could shoot instead of trying to pass. Um, and um, I think Alex Ferguson came out and criticised the fact that Ronaldo didn't start, which amused me because they're not playing in any international football, uh, any sort of club football the next two weeks. It's not like there's a big game on on Wednesday to prepare for. So I was very confused as to why Ronaldo didn't start. Um, Norwich and Burnley drew 0-0, which gave Norwich their first point of the season. Um, not much to say there. <coughs> Chelsea and Southampton were, were involved in a VAR-filled uh, game with um, Chelsea winning 3-1 at Stamford Bridge. Um, Timo Werner, Ben Chilwell and Trevor Chalaber got the goal for Chelsea. Um, James Ward-Prowse equalised Southampton, Southampton before getting sent off. Um, there was VAR decisions um, all, the, all over this game. Um, the most notable one was Timo Werner scoring a goal and getting it ruled out for an apparent foul. But for me, this foul was not there. Um, Leeds beat Watford 1-0 at Ellen Road. Um, Lorente got the only goal of the game. Um, and then the late game, um, saw Brighton and Arsenal draw 0-0. Um, sad news coming out of Brighton. A unnamed um, player has been um, the other night actually arrested for um, sexual assault at a Brighton nightclub, which is um, crazy because I was there the other day on the weekend. Um, <laughs> on, su- on Sunday, Crystal Palace and Leicester drew two-two with um, Vardy and Ian Acho getting the goals for Leicester, and Jeff Schlepp and Elise getting the goals for Crystal Palace. Um, Spurs got back to winning ways with a 2-1 win over Aston Villa. Um, Hoiberg and Matt Target own goal were the goals for Spurs, whereas Ollie Watkins got the goal against his, the rivals of his boyhood team. Um, West Ham um, suffered a late defeat to Brentford at the London Stadium. Uh, Jared Bowen got the only goal for West Ham, with Mwembo, um getting the goal for Brentford, as well as, as, well as Visa, who scored against Liverpool um, seven days before, um, eight days before, getting a winner late on. And then finally, the final game of the weekend was the best game, arguably, of the whole season, as Liverpool and Man City played out a 2-2 draw. Best players on the pitch were Mo Salah and Phil Foden. Um, goals from Liverpool came from Mane uh, and Salah, with De Bruyne and Foden getting the goals from Man City. Uh, in what a rare game, that got given a joint man of the match. Um, it was out about. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't got a problem with it. I, people, I think people are getting way too annoyed about it. I think, personally... Both players were exceptional for me. No real difference between either of them, and it was a draw. So I can see why Neville gave it because there was no clear out of the two man's match, and also it was it wasn't like you know one team one or the other. It was a draw and probably the fair result. So I think personally, he was he, I got a problem with this, but I, I can see why people would be annoyed because it is something different and a bit out there. But at the same time, I think. I couldn't have really picked between both players and man of the match because both players scored good goals, particularly Salah, who scored an amazing goal late on in this game. Um, do you boy, what do you boys think? Do you think, do you agree with this thing about a joint man of the match? I think it should just be one player. Like it's, it's called man of the match for a reason, isn't it? Not men of the match, but yeah, you know, this everything's keeps getting shared out now, really, like in sports, doesn't it? Like they think the same thing happened at the Olympics, didn't it? Um, I think two people shed like the gold medal or something. So I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Alex can tell us more about what happened at the Olympics. Oh, oh, I am a massive fan of the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was held in London recently, wasn't it? Say that again. 
It's held in London recently, weren't it? Ran <laughs> in <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> yes, that's the last I remember of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think um, it's quite easy for the same. Like, you I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, the, the, the joint mail of match, sugar. unless it's unless it was the Barclays Premier League giving it, I don't care. It's, it, it was, you know, Sky, Gary Neville. I like Gary Neville. I thought it was all right. He put a great, he put a great uh, uh, knockout on Edwin O'Curry on Good Morning Bruin. So, you know, he can have this job. Was that the thing about. Um... Universal credit was that the thing you want about? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She said something like, um, uh, for the people listening, look that neither a labor or conservative support, but I did find this funny. She said, um, the majority of people on universal credit, uh, don't work. And then the presenter came back and said, 40% of those on universal credit do work. She said, Oh, we should be getting them out there to work. Uh, Gary Neville was just like, Okay, but you realize it's not as simple as that and then there was like no comeback it was i recommend going watching it it was very funny yeah i mean i only saw the, the minute clip from um from twitter but i will say i'm not saying this is everyone but i've got one friend who's on universal credit and he said he does nothing all day does not apply for jobs so but that is probably not the same for everyone there's probably many reasons why people don't can't get jobs so but yeah um ryan uh, what were your thoughts on joint man in the match don't like it. Do you know? What? Tell me more. <laughs> just simple as that, really. Just don't. <laughs> it just, sounds just... like Danny Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off! Don't compare me to that clown. Don't like it. Shut I don't. It's, it's ruined Naeem, the game. Naeem said it perfectly. It's you know, again, it's, it's man of the match, isn't it? So how? Game got mad. <laughs> a comment. Obviously, I know you know the commentary world can be a bit difficult sometimes, but. You've just sat there for 90 minutes. Surely it's not that difficult just to pick one player who's had a standout game and say... No, on a, on a serious note, I do it. think, like, it, it, because we are in the short term of it, I'd want to see how that's looked at. Not the decision to give man of the match necessarily, but I want to see how this game's looked at in, like, three to four years' time because it was a ridiculously good game. So maybe in, like, four to five years' time, we'll look back on it and say, my God, Salah... Uh, Salah and Froden were electric that day. I can see why they gave double man a match. I yeah, I, I can see it totally. To be honest, um, I don't know how he. I don't know how you'd pick between both. If you had to pick one player, I don't know how you choose because Flip maybe Salah's goal was better. That's the only reason I can think of. But yeah, I mean Foden did give Milner a tough game the whole time. I mean, maybe for that reason, maybe you could have given this to Foden the fact that he was just he. I mean, Milner did well against Grealish, but Foden had an absolute stormer against Milner. Milner didn't know what to do with him, and that goal he scored, Milner really should have been closer to his man. Milner is about as well. Milner's about fifty-eight, and he. <laughs> <laughs> I think is he thirty-six or something, but he's still still amazing. But I think that wasn't his best game on the weekend. Yeah, I don't know how um, he. Um, I don't know how he didn't get sent off in that game, but yeah, that's a thing. That's what uh, we can get annoyed about the fact that our Matip's defection. If it hadn't happened, Alisson would have saved it, but. At the same time, really, um, Miller should have been sent off because obviously the that, that was clearly a second yellow. So for me, he's 35 as well. I've just found out. Um, I think we were lucky in that sense that um, we obviously we were lucky not, not to have a man sent off. But I think at the same time, as well, City they um, really should have been two or three nil up at half time. They were exceptional mm. in that first half, and we sort of did so well to get back in that game. So, um, so yeah. I think that was a really good match. Um, right, on to our next leap, which will be Serie A. So, um, what happened on the weekend? I actually saw, so I, I was actually watching, I was in a bar on the weekend on Sunday, watching the NFL, and I saw one of the goals from Liao, and what a goal that was. And also, Ryan, before you start, I hope you're talk, going to talk about Juventus for Torino, because that was such a good game. I, I have got a... I did a little profile on Torino for your benefit. Um, ain't very long, but I'll mention that after I go through the results. Obviously, we started on Friday as we normally do with uh, Cagliari drawing one-one with Venetia. Saturday saw Salernitana win their first game of the season, beating Genoa one-nil. As Alex just mentioned, Torino and Juventus played in the derby. With Juve coming out winners by just the one goal. And the last game on the Saturday was Sassuolo, who lost 2-1 to Inter Milan. 
Sunday saw the majority of the games with uh, Bologna beating Lazio 3-0. Bit of a turn up for the books there. The next game was Sampdoria, who drew 3-3 with Udinese. Then Verona beat Spezia 4-0. Roma beat Empoli 2-0. Napoli continued their great start with a 2-1 away win to Fiorentina. And probably... Mm, I'm not going to share this one because I don't believe in that, as I just said. But Milan and Atlanta played out a five-goal thriller, although Atlanta got two goals quite late on. AC Milan put in a fantastic performance, um, coming up 3-2 winners away. Which leaves us with Napoli still seven games in, seven wins at the top, maximum points. And AC Milan are just two points off them in second with 19. Both teams had an incredible start to the season. It looks like those two, and maybe Inter Milan, will fight it out for the Squadetto this season because Juve is still 10 points off the top. Obviously, that could easily, you know that could be brought back a little bit, but I don't see Juventus as a formidable outfit this season. It looks like any team at the moment can beat any other team in Serie A. It's incredibly open. You know, you're seeing different results. You know, every week between teams you think are in good form, and then it just flips on its head. You know, with I mean, Bologna beating Lazio three 0 was just such a strange result, and. Even Torino against Juventus, arguably going into that game, you could have probably said, you know, you Torino was slightly favourites to win the game because, you know, Juve obviously haven't been in the greatest of form. Um, but they got the win, Juve. So, in terms of the player stats, Immobile and Edin Dzeko are currently the top goal scorers, both with six goals in seven games. Neither of them show any signs of slowing down. And yeah, that's really the the stats for the weekend, as it were. Um, just quickly looking at Torino, because Alex asked me to mention them. I mean, obviously the second biggest club in that little area in Turin, but they have some standout names currently at the club. Andrea Bellotti probably being the biggest one. Normally gets into the national team, but they've got some other good players. Uh, centre-back, Bremer, Dennis Pryor, previously of uh, Leicester City, Marco Pajaka, Ricardo Rodriguez, Bacau. They've got some talented players there, and if they could build on it, perhaps they could see themselves slightly move up the table. I think they're in ninth at the moment, so not doing too bad. But interestingly, they're managed by Croatian manager Ivan Juric, who has had an interesting managerial career because it's all pretty much been in Italy. But although it's not uncommon for managers to go back to a club, you know, a couple of times in Italy, this is someone who's managed Genoa three times in the space of just a couple of years. Um, he was at Crotone, who we got promoted. And before he was at uh, Torino, I just need to double check this in case I get it wrong. He, he was at Hellas Verona where he did a brilliant job, to be honest, because they had a very, very small budget and he kept them in Serie A for two seasons before, uh, it was, I believe it was a mutual decision for him to leave and then he straight away went to Torino, which is obviously a boost up. So that's the little profile on them and that sums it all up, really. Very nice, very nice. Um, right, you. next league we're going to focus on is what's happening in Spain. In Spain, so, Espana, yeah. So, um, what has been happening in Spain, mate? Yeah, so um, there was a few few short results on the weekend. So um, I'll start off with the first first game um, that kicked off uh, the games this weekend. So Athletic Club they played Deportivo at home. Um, they won one nil. Um, they actually got awarded a penalty in the ninth minute, but Raúl García his penalty was saved. But in the forty fourth minute, um, he got the only goal of the game. Um, another a little stat here, um, Anaki Williams, he set a new La Liga record after making his 203rd consecutive league appearance for Athletic Club Bilbao. Um, it's a run that stretched over five years, so that, that's pretty, pretty mm-hmm. mental. Mm-hmm. Um, next game, Osasuna, they beat Rayo Vallecano 1-0 thanks to Manuel Sanchez's 91st minute winner. Uh, this is Rayo Vallecano's first defeat in five league games after a good um, start to the season. 
Mallorca, they beat Levante 1-0 thanks to a 75-minute uh, goal from Angel Rodriguez. Uh, Levante did have a chance to equalise 10 minutes later but by being awarded a penalty, but Jose Luis Morales had his penalty saved. Um, Levante are still winless after eight games. Uh, Cadiz, they drew 0-0 with Valencia, so there's not really too much to report on that one. Um, Atletico Madrid, they beat Barcelona 2-0, with a good game to watch. Uh, Luis Suarez, he came back to haunt his um, ex-team by getting a goal and assist. Uh, Lamar scoring the other goal. Elche, they beat Celta Vigo 1-0. Um, this is only their second win of the season, uh, thanks to a 49th-minute goal from Benedetto. Uh, one of that so first uh, shot result of the weekend was Espanyol. They beat Real Madrid two one. Um, so Real Madrid they suffered the two defeats in the last couple of days in all competitions. Uh, Raúl de Thomas he put the hosts up one nil before going two them up in the second half thanks to Vidal. Uh, before in the seventy first minute Benzema got a, a consolation goal um, because he's he's an informed striker for Real Madrid. Uh, Tafe, they drew one all with Real Sociedad. Uh, this is their first draw of the season after losing seven straight games uh, previously. Villarreal, they beat uh, Real Betis 2-0 thanks to both goals from Dan Juma. Um, obviously, the player that they bought from Bournemouth in the, in the summer and he um, had a decent decent game against United uh, midweek. Uh, this was Real Betis' first loss in four uh, games in the league. Uh, the last defeat coming to Real Madrid back at the end of August. Another uh, um, shocking, not sh- shocking defeat was Granada. They beat Sevilla 1-0 uh, thanks to Ruben Rochina's 25-minute goal. Uh, this is Sevilla's first loss of the season. Same with Real Madrid, um, and this is also Granada's. That was also Granada's first win of the season too. So that's what's happened in the league on the weekend. Um, so the, down at the bottom of the table, Getafe, they're still rock bottom with one point. Um, Alaves, they are 19th with three points. And Levante, they are 18th with four points. Uh, at the top of the table, um, Real Madrid has still remained top um, due to goal difference. They're on 17 points after they they lost this weekend. Atletico Madrid, they're level on points as well. And Real Sociedad, they started off well this season. Um, they're on 17 points as well. In fourth spot is Sevilla with 14 points. And Osasuna, they're in fifth spot with the same points. And Rio Vallecano are still in the European spots um, with 13 points um, after their after their defeat on the weekend. So, um, yeah, obviously Barcelona, they're still a bit dodgy at the moment. But... Um, yeah, Atletico Madrid. Yeah, they they probably had a performance on the weekend, and um, yeah, they're looking looking all right at the moment. And yeah, Suarez is still still coming back to haunt his former team after obviously Coman got rid of him after saying he wasn't in his plans. And yeah, um, that's pretty much it um, this weekend. Yeah, I think for me, there's two things I wanted to go for you with you, um, Naeem. First of all. Valencia, the fact that they were, remember we at one point in the podcast, you were saying how they were, was it the top four, was it at one point? And then they said, that's all I can see here, they beat, they beat Getafe, Drew Granada, beat Alaves and beat Osasuna. And they, I can see here they lost to Madrid, Sevilla and, and drawn with Bilbao since. So they're, they're eighth at the moment, they're sort of not, they're mid-table at the moment. Yeah. Um, do you think... Those few games were just a you know, false dawn, or do you think that they can still um, get these wins back? I think I think they still can. They still can um, maybe challenge to get into the top six or the top, or maybe not the top four. But I know they haven't won in the last four games. Um, obviously, they're, they're not in Europe half because obviously they they finished um, they finished quite low down the table last season. But I reckon I reckon yeah, they probably will bounce back. Um, and yeah, they probably will try and get it back into the European spot. So um, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think they will get get back to their form at the start of the season. I think this is a little, this little bad bad run that's going on at the moment. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was was Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that's liked to a lot at the moment. Um, one report saying they're over one point five seven billion dollars in debt. Um, there's one report saying here that the debt has grown by more than 600 million euros um, in four years. 
Um, and they have obviously they they have they they have received apparently a week ago one point two billion pound offer from other buy companies to write off the club's debts. I mean, there's talk of you know um, there was the games they've had recently where um, they had sort of empty seats. Uh, Memphis Depay had to had a defender's move to Barcelona. He had to come out and um, basically say that he was happy with happy with being there. Um, it just seems like an utter utter mess. And Kuman, um, you know, Kuman's still there, but there's talk of them having to pay him off if, if he goes. And then the, the managers they've been linked with, we mentioned this the other week about how there's not a great section of people off there. I mean, Martinez seems to be one of the people that's been actually since we mentioned since we mentioned him on the podcast. Quite a lot of people are mentioning Martinez. Uh, Perdo has been mentioned a lot. They're, they're two, them two seems to be the main two, but I just think that whoever goes in charge of Barcelona has a massive, massive um, task on their hands. Um, and do you see them even making top four this season, or do you, or, or do you think they're still good enough to make top four? They've got a good enough team to make top four, but like when they when they then they lose, they're they're conceding two or more goals. Obviously they. They they're not doing well in the Champions League at the moment as they might drop down to Europa League depending on whether they can turn it around because they have got a bit of a tricky group. But they're a team that they're always getting into top four, um, they're always getting into Europe. But you know they're only what they're only they're only two points off of the European spots at the moment, um, and that's only well they've only lost once so far this season. But they are drawing quite a few games, so I think it all just depends whether Coman stays there or not because. Clearly, something's not working there at the moment. So, I think they probably still will will get into the top four. But yeah, they've got to be careful because yeah, they might drop down to Europa League and playing playing on Thursdays is is not what they want to um, really be doing with uh, obviously the club club their size. I also saw a report that um, they want to get Ten Hag in at the end of the season. Um, mm. I think I think he would be a he would be a good manager to um, go there because obviously what he's done at Ajax. Um, He's done it. I know, obviously, under the Dutch league is nothing compared to um, obviously the Liga, but he's he's done a good good job there. And obviously, Barcelona they kind of want to rebuild, and obviously, the players that he's brought through, um, obviously with the Ajax model, um, I think he would he would kind of suit to um, obviously to be at Barcelona because they um, they've got a good youth academy, Barcelona, and they've they brought through quite a few youngsters over the last couple of years. So. Yeah, he, he might be the man tasked with doing that job, but um, yeah, we're just yet, yet to see it at the moment. So um, yeah, I reckon they're still getting to the top four because um, it's still early days um, at the moment. But um, yeah, they just uh, they just need to watch themselves in the Champions League because um, yeah, they've 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 lost both games and haven't scored any goals, and you know they still they still got to play uh, Bayern Munich away, still got to play Benfica. I know it's at at home, but um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, actually have a um, yeah, I actually have an Eredivisie contact. Um, someone's quite close uh, to a few clubs. Uh, he works at Football Rangi, uh, Dutch football news page, and he I, I messaged him about the Ten Hag thing, mm. and um, it's to give him a, a vote of his credit. Uh, he assured me that Donny Madueke was going nowhere in the summer. He never and he wasn't. He assured me that Ten Hag was staying at Ajax and not going to Tottenham when the links were really heating up. And he has said that. Ten Hag is beginning to leave the time. He, uh, beginning to get to the time where he will leave Ajax. There's only two years left on his deal, and he's not really got much left to do there. Uh, the Barca link is like there is some footing there. Mm, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, when we go back to the Champions League. They lost three 0 to Benfica. That is their worst ever start to a Champions League season. Um, they've been outscored in by six goals and back to back losses. Um, it's just the second time in their history that they've lost two opening matches of any European campaign. This happened in the 1972 to 1973 season in the UEFA Cup, um, first round tie. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned before, they still got to play Barcelona. I can't think who the other team now is in their group. But um, Dynamo, I think yeah. Dynamo Kevin, that's not an easy game, especially away from home as well. Um, I was actually listening this week, actually, or I think it was Sunday, I was listening to the. One of the Guardian podcasts is the one that features Max Rushton, and they were talking about the Champions League games that happened uh, last time out, and they were saying that only one team has ever lost their first two games conceding more than three goals both times and made it to knockout. This, this was Leon back in 2007-2008, I think they said the season was. So if they're going to do it, they're going to have to break some history. Um, and I just, to me, I, I think they're still going to play Barcelona, still going to play Kiev away from home. I've still got to play Benfica, who are not an easy team to play, even at home. 
Uh, I think they're in trouble personally. And I think, you know, we were all shocked when Man U got knocked down to Europa League. We were all weird to see teams like AC Milan in Europa League, Liverpool in Europa League, Chelsea, um, all these massive clubs. And I think for me, if it's not this season, it's only a matter of time before we do see Barcelona in the Europa League or even the European Conference League um, <laughs> at, a really, at a really bad stretch. But um, we will now move on to our final league, which is the league in. So, Alex, um, you obviously are a league in expert. Um, what has happened last weekend in league in? Well, well, well. Um, so I've realised I talk a lot about PSG about on uh, in my section here, and I'm going to make an effort not to talk about them. Even though they lost it the weekend to Ren, two um, 0 Ren played very well, but there's no point making too much of a fuss about that because the top four currently looks like PSG first, Lons second, who were promoted last year, uh, Nice under Gaultier third, and Angers fourth, and PSG is six points clear at the top even after losing at the weekend, so they're they're in complete. Uh, mm-hmm. fine condition but um, I want to talk about a couple of other games so San Etienne under Claude Puel we touched on him last week about how he's the worst manager of all time <laughs> uh, um, he saved his job uh, in the derby against Lyon um, on Sunday evening he got a, a San Etienne got a goal in literally the last minute of time I was doing a live stream that day watching AC Milan uh, versus Atalanta and uh, I, I tuned over to San Lucien v Leon the last uh, the, la- the last sort of ten minutes, and uh, the goal came, goal came from Wabi Kansri penalty. Wabi Kansri, mm. everyone's favourite player. But now <laughs> onto the interesting teams. Um, let's talk about Monaco. They've rebounded in form a little bit. They got a three 0 victory against Bordeaux at the weekend, and they played very good football. I say rebounded in form because they're quite a tough start to the season. They fell in. Champions League qualifying to Shakhtar 2. And they only currently sit sixth. Uh, they've lost three games out of nine this season. And that came uh, in 2021, last season. It's like, like the three months left of the season. They lost like two games. They like romped the Champions League qualification qualification period. Where they can uh, do their playoffs. But they've hit uh, form again. Uh, Olian Tushameni, uh, perennially Chelsea-linked. Uh, scored a very nice goal. He also uh, hit the bar of a great long shot. And uh, yeah, it was a good game there. I want to talk about Lille v Marseille because Lille uh, got a win against um, Horst and Pauli's side. Jonathan David got two goals. Uh, that was a, a, There were two very nice clinical goals and Lille needed those goals as we've touched on. They've not started the season well. They lost it was 4-5-0 to Nice in match day three. But uh, David... Uh, the Canadian striker who moved from Genk last season, 21-year-old, has six goals this season. He's Lille's top scorer. It looks to be really hitting some form. Uh, so we've got Borak Yilmaz up front, two goals, two assists this season too. Uh, it was, I felt a bit sorry for Jonathan Okone, the former PSG youngster. Uh, he hit the the post of the crossbar uh, this game and um, got quite... He probably should have scored against... Uh, probably should have scored one of them. One was pretty much an open goal too. Uh, but yeah, Lille are beginning to rebound in form. It's also worth noting uh, Timothy Ware, uh, the son of George Ware, has two assists this season. 21-year-old Liberian uh, is in good form. And we might see him play a bigger cog. Go on, just, go on, Ryan. Sorry. It, I believe he's, he's American, is he not? See, American might be, to be fair. Well, I, well because he... we always go through the badge. Oh, no, he is American. You're right. It's, you tell you what, that's from me mistaking George Ware when I was younger as an American by seeing the flag. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, obviously, his dad is Liberian and I believe he's the president of Liberia, is he not? Yes, he is. He is. Um, but yeah, no, I just wondered because I saw him, I watched a, a friendly not too long ago, a USA one, in, in which he was involved. So, Thank, thank you for the correction, though, because, yeah, I'd look, I'm too used to looking at that flag for George Ware and thinking... It's not the US flag. It's like if anyone is, mm. everyone's not seen them, Google them. They're basically the same. Actually, I mean, it's got a bit of a tangent quickly because I've been looking at. Um, we don't, obviously we don't have a Bundesliga coverage on this podcast. Maybe one of us step it up. And I've been doing a video on a uh, Musa Diaby. I'll link that because uh, Tim Ware and him came through at PSG together, very close friends. Uh, I can only imagine growing up as close friends with the son of a president of African country in the, in the academy of one of the most powerful footballing clubs in the world. 
But Diaby at Leverkusen has hit ridiculous form this season. Another Frenchman. Uh, keep an eye out for him for anyone's listening, uh, listening to him. Uh, I've just seen, you mentioned Bundesliga. I've just seen a funny tweet. Um, he's got that clip of, you know, when Bowie and Dyer, um, when, he's, mm. when they have a fight at St. Jude's Park, it was um, this tweet saying, Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe with Newcastle win a penalty next season. It's <laughs> 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 actually, yeah. actually an amazing stat action, Haaland. And he, that's why I found, I was trying to find this stat about he's always scored more more champion goals than a lot of massive players. I'm just trying to find this tweet, but I think it was like... Uh, Whilst you're trying to find that tweet, I just want to ask Alex... When is he doing a little profile on uh, Florian Wirtz? Oh, well, I, just, I actually just uploaded a video tonight about him. Um, oh, okay, I'll watch that. Yeah, 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 a little, a little short video. Uh, for anyone who's a fan of expected goals, Wirtz is like blowing it apart. He's ex- he's like expected to have about four goals or assists in six games, and he's got nine. Like, he's oh. like the most. He's basically the one of the best young players in uh, in Europe right now. So that's a uh, that that was a good question there from Ryan. Here we go. Here we go. So Erling Haaland has only has already scored more Champions League goals than these players. And bear in mind, he's only twenty one. He scored more Champions League goals than Ronaldo, Harry Kane, Nicholas Anelka, Francesco Totti, Romario. Um, I'm guessing this is Fernando Torres, um, Zinedine Stan, Michael Owen, David Villa. Adriano and Ronaldinho. I mean, that is some stat for someone who's mm. 21 and these mm. list of players not, who have... Not, not so much Harry Kane, but the rest, yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're not Harry Kane. <laughs> we look at, like, Sudan scored the best Champions League goal in history. He's won yep. one or two Champions Leagues as a player. Um, I mean, David Villa's won Champions League. In fairness, he was a midfielder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true, actually. But... He is a... Haaland is an absolute monster, though. Whoever gets him are just going to... I mean, to link it back to Lee Gurn, uh, I, I've always said that Mbappe is better than Haaland. I think he's more talented. But at current rates and current form, there's no question Haaland's better. It's, it's mainly because yeah. in PSG's team, um, they did, did a video actually about PSG's tactics uh, on Wednesday. Mm. It's just hit 100,000 views, I think. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, that one. That was good. Thank you, thank you. Um, the issue with PSG at the moment is, obviously, with Di Maria, Mbappe, Neymar, Messi in a front four, pretty much, one of those guys, or one or more, is going to get hit a little bit in form and playtime. Mm. And Mbappe looks, he looks so isolated up front. Like, Mbappe's best qualities are really when he gets space to build momentum and drive towards the defence or get in behind. And when you're PSG and most teams sit deep against you, you, there's no space in behind, and when you're the lone striker, you're you're not really allowed to drop deep. Like obviously they did very well in the Champions League against City, and that was built off counter attacks. But in Ligue 1, Mbappe's kind of surviving off scraps at the moment. I don't really see, he's definitely suffering in that side. Just just a quick one: will 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 he be at Real Madrid next season? Then, Alex. Oh, um, I sure, think surely, surely he has to be. Well, we we said this, but we would have said surely PSG will accept an offer of like two hundred million for him. But do um, they need the money? True, I think with Mbappe, uh, from what I've learned about him, he's apparently a very very stubborn man. Like whenever he, when he wants something, he'll get what he wants. Oh no, not a Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think he'll sign a new deal and there'll be a release clause in it of some kind because if Messi stays for another year, there's no way. He turns down the chance to... Actually, no, in fairness, with the current weights, maybe not. But if things start clicking, I think he'll he'll want to... Uh, I think he'll want to stay at least one more year, but there'll be some sort of deal of, OK, we'll put a release clause in so Madrid can get you. Depends if they went and got Haaland, though, first. Yeah, in fairness, yeah. If it, oh, if, P- if PSG got Haaland, that's it. That's their missing link. Because really, mm. they always lack, they're always lack. they lacking a big number nine. I mean... That's that's such a pundit thing to say, but with Mbappe as a lone striker, he just all, all the PSG players want to do are get on the ball, cut, drop deep, and drive towards goal. So when Icardi comes on, who's a guy who will just sit up front and occupy defenders by not really doing too much, but wanting to get on the end of chances, it, it helps a lot. So having Haaland in, that oh. that would be complete. That would be amazing. There'll there'll be a good number nine available next summer now by the looks of things, and Dusan Vlahovic. Mm, yeah. yeah. Turned down a new deal at Fiorentina. 
excellent signing for anyone. I mean, I still think personally that with um, Haaland, I do think, going back to Haaland, I do think that um, his next club could be Manchester City, only because he was born in Leeds and his dad played for Man City. And I think with that link, I think that with City being so keen for a striker, um, you know, with Pep still being there, albeit he wants to leave in 2023, I think he's still a big pull. Uh, I think personally, I'm worried that he will join Man City, whether it's this summer or next summer. I, I hopefully he doesn't go to anyone in the Premier League besides ourselves. But <laughs> I um, I just think if he joins Man City with that current team, I think it's game over in the Premier League because that's the one thing they're missing. It's yep. probably... Maybe, yeah, that, that probably is the one area that they're missing. Fairness, they're, doing, they're doing well without it. Really. Yeah, I mean, everyone does forget that last season, even though it was probably easier competition than it is this year, Aguero didn't score a goal till March in the Premier League, and Jesus only scored something like five Premier League goals all last year. So they managed Hang on, well who? without... Gabriel Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Jesus! Jesus. Jesus. Um, yeah, so he, obviously, he had, no one really scores goals from strikers. It was more so. They had people like Foden, Mares, Sterling, De Bruyne. All of them had goes last year of playing that false nine. I think even De Bruyne had a go at it as well. And I think the way the way he gets them playing, I think they don't really need the striker. But I think that's what everyone is forgetting. And to get four points from six against Chelsea and Liverpool, I think it, it shows that they're still, for me, the team to beat in the Premier League. I mean, we're debating... Uh, which clubs Haaland and Mbappe are going to go to, they're probably going to go to the club that we first mentioned in the podcast. So, yeah, yeah. That would be scenes. That would be amazing for Newcastle fans. That would be. Just, there's a pie chart on Twitter, if, if anyone hasn't seen it yet, with the wealth circle of all the owners of the Premier League. And I think three quarters of it is just Newcastle. Wow. The thing they're is, that, so, that rich. Like, the thing is, though, like, if there were, if there was like four or five other like owners who were as, as wealthy as Newcastle, then like that would clearly be a like th- then I think that would have an effect. But especially because they're so low down, like if they go if they go to Ronaldo if they go to PSG and say we want Neymar and PSG say uh, like we'll give you a hundred million for Neymar, and PSG say no, and, and Neymar says no. You can't, you can't just go, oh, we'll offer you 500 million then. <laughs> I just don't, thank, I don't know. I just don't think, FFP. Yeah, I yeah. just don't think it will... Uh... FFP? What FFP? That well, thing? Mm, <laughs> it's true. Probably, yeah, not, uh, actually, I'll take that back. You'll, um, <laughs> you, you'll enjoy this, Ryan and I. I just saw this tweet saying, the year is 2023. Newcastle have just won their first Premier League title after Kylian Mbappe hat-trick, securing the win in a 4-3 win over Man City. Arsenal, meanwhile, missed promotion back to the Premier League after losing a playoff final to Sunderland. <laughs> why, why, why would we like that? Yeah. You, exactly. Yeah, you, I, you love that. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going dangerously into a territory you don't want to be in. Well, I'm the um, host. So I, unfortunately, you can't do anything about it. Um, before oh, we go, I can edit it. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's very true. Um, Right, before we go, we are going to give our player and goal of the weekend. So, um, for me, the goal of the weekend for me um, is Mo Salas. I think is one of the best goals. I think it's been the best goal so far this Premier League season. Um, maybe apart from Bruno Fernandes's, probably the Dashi definitely better than Fernandes's. Um, and yeah, I think that just the way his technique, the way he got uh, past his players, the skill he used was exceptional. And then player of the week, um, I'm going to go for Phil Foden. Um, there's your answer, Gary Neville. Um, I just think the way he, even though Salah was exceptional, he scored the best goal of the whole game. I think that the way Phil Foden absolutely tormented James Milner for me just just tipped him over the edge. Um, but Ryan, who's your player and goal of the weekend in Italy? Well, you already mentioned the goal of the week, which was uh, Rafael Liao's. What a um, goal! Yeah, I mean, I thought Tonali's was was all right as well. To be fair for Milan, but. Yeah, Leo's was a very good goal. But player of the week for me was um, Archer Tiate. Uh, uh, plays in sort of a back three for Bologna. He got a goal and an assist in their 3-0 win over Lazio. Fair enough, fair enough. And um, Naeem, in Spain, what is your goal and player of the weekend? 
Um, I'll probably go with uh, Thomas Lamar um, as my goal of the weekend. It was a um, good move between him and Suarez. Um, obviously, he scored the first goal. And for a player, um, player of the weekend, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Thomas Lamar. Yeah, he um he pretty much bossed that midfield um, for Atletico Madrid. Even though he's, he's more of like a wide player, he's playing a bit more. He's playing a bit more centrally um, this weekend. But yeah, Thomas Lamar gets my player of the weekend and my goal of the weekend as well. Fantastic. And then finally, Alex, what is your goal and player of the weekend in France? Uh, my goal and player of the week is uh, well, my goal I believe it is uh, Thomas Mangini. Um, don't have to remember the name, but remember the assister, Jimmy Cabot. Uh, this is for Andre against Metz, uh, the, the right wing back Cabot. Uh, 27 year old, he's not probably gonna go anywhere, but he very he showed really nice pace and uh, dribbling down the right hand side, like took it around like two people and jettisoned the ball across the pitch. Uh, for uh, Mangini to score and I was going to say I think player of the week maybe 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 I'm just making sure to back it up is probably uh, Kamal Suleimana from uh, Ren. he had a very nice game against PSG showed a lot of strength and there was a point where he, he, he took it round um, I think it was like Marathi just bulldozed him off the ball and I don't know those sort of moments stick with you. I think he had a very good game. Left winger Aren uh, arrived uh, in the summer. Nineteen-year-old Ajax room for him. Uh, keep an eye on him. We will do. We will do. Speaking of keeping an eye out for things, um, next week it is an international break, so there'll be no sort of football to read to review. But we are going to do a special podcast. Uh, we're going to first of all give you some players to look out for in the January transfer window. And then also, we are going to give you each our top 10 managers in the world currently. So do check that out next week, which would be there back to four of us to talk more things football and go through those uh, the talking points. So I have been your host, Andy. This has been Ryan. This has been Alex. This has been Naeem. Cheers, all. See you later, guys.